one o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Jim the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. All right, Broncos can win nine games with a victory Sunday in Vegas against the Raiders, along with snapping the losing streak to the Raiders, which dates back to 2019. Would that be a good little bit of salve on the on the injury, on, on the wound that has been this season? Where there was the one in five start, then there was the five game winning streak, then there was the benching of Russ, and now Denver has a chance to win nine games and then get a win against the Raiders. And would that be something that you go, okay, this well, it's not been exactly what I was hoping for. It's still a four game improvement. It's a win against a division rival, not gonna finish last in the AFC West. You snap the losing streak to the Chiefs. Will you feel positive about the season after a Broncos win on Sunday? Since after my first question went awry and we got 15 Herm Edwards on the text line, after giving up 70, is 8 and 9 okay? You're 0 and 3. You gave up closer to 100 points than not in a football game, not a basketball game. Yes. Is eight and nine acceptable at that point? Waking up September twenty fifth. Yeah, I would think. I would yes, because you're thinking, oh my god, it's this might be a three win football team. You could have tripled your point total and yeah. still lost by two possessions. Eight I mean, and because, nine is perfectly fine at that point because after that, the, the one and five start, you could have mm-hmm. easily. This team could easily said, "We're done. It's over. Yeah, we're done." They didn't. Give, give them credit. They didn't. They went on a five-game winning streak. They were in playoff consideration up until New Year's weekend. Mm-hmm. Be it very, very minuscule, but still a chance. Saying there's still a chance. And I think the biggest thing for me about this team when it comes to Russell Wilson and Jared Stidham is I sit back and I think... Jared Stidham starts 17 games. The Broncos are probably another five-win team. Possibly. I'm not, I'm not going to say definitively they couldn't have won more games, but I, I, I would I'd be surprised if they did. They won a couple of games this year strictly because of poise under center. Because of Russ, fourth quarter, clutch plays, touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton, the, the Bills game. I mean, there's there are plays that Russ made that I don't think Jared Stidham probably makes because of Russ's ability to get out of the pocket and people say, oh, he's old now. Well, he still has better mobility. Not that Stidham can't run because we, we did see that. He had to run a little bit on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But even with being an older quarterback, he still has, he has the skill set to get outside the pocket and make plays, which we've seen Russ do, which therein lies part of the problem. That's not what Sean Payton necessarily wants. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're having this this divorce that's going to take place. Like Bears, Bills, Vikings, those three wins, I think, are veteran quarterback Absolutely. wins. Absolutely. Could not agree more. You take those three away, you flip those three points, two points, one point. You flip those six points the other way. 
we talk about the ones they the three games they lost by six you flip the other three the other way now you are five at 11 and it's a completely different story I know it kind of after the five game winning streak things have kind of whimpered to the end here but because Russ has not been great when they in the losses here at the end of the season faltered down the stretch I think you gotta you gotta take the season as a whole which is really hard to do right now like Eight and eight heading into the final week of the regular season is an improvement from last year and should be taken in that regard. Like, all right, we got better. Forward momentum. Some places it's not, and it just confuses me. You know, the, the Kansas City win. The, the yardage totals weren't fantastic, but he threw for three touchdowns that in that game. That alone should make this season an yeah. improvement. The exactly. Fact that you can't, you can know, Chiefs fans, Butchie, and whoever else can't come in and be like, well, I mean, Patrick Mahomes undefeated against can't teams say on that the road. Russ, can't say that Russ anymore. is the guy that got, got, yeah. that, got the job done against him. May not have been with a, a gaudy yardage day, but he threw for three touchdowns in that game. Mm-hmm. I, I agree that we're – I don't know where they would have been with Stidham. I don't think they would be nearly as good as they are this season if, I don't it's, think so. if, if it's not Russ. That's just my feeling about that. All right, and also, who are you going to be rooting for in the playoffs? Not the Broncos are eliminated. We've got a text I want to get to on the uh, team line today. It's a big deal for the Broncos to beat the Raiders. It's always a big deal whether we've got two wins in the season or we're going to the playoffs or we're in the playoffs – uh, we're in the playoffs uh, beating. I think it's, you know, it's a big deal whether we got two wins, or we're going to the playoffs, or we're in the playoffs. It says beating. And yeah, I it's a mistype. Oh, the Raiders is always a must. I'm, I'm nervous, though, as I went to the game on Sunday with the benching of Russell Wilson. I did not see any improvement. It was still just bland. You have to have, you had that one amazing play by Humphrey, but nothing else really special and made for a long game waiting for the fourth quarter to end. At least with Russell Wilson, you knew there was an opportunity for more explosive plays. I will say I was impressed with Broncos country fans in the stands. There was a lot of chanting, wanting Russell Wilson to enter the game because I think we're all, we all understand that Russell Wilson brings a special spark and has been a good player this year. He's been a good quarterback. So there's a, a rare member of the pile defending Russell Wilson because a lot of you are perfectly fine to see him go. I mean, you're going to have to pay him $37 million either way. You probably should at least, you know, make him play for it, I guess. And it still gets back to running the football and playing defense and having a quarterback that – and game managers turn into this ugly term. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's a necessary part of being a quarterback, regardless who you are. You manage the game regardless who you are in terms of making the right reads – Getting your team in, in the in the right in the right play call against a specific defense, making smart decisions, throwing the ball away when there's no mm-hmm. chance to make a play, and and not putting yourselves further behind the chains. There's a lot that for anybody that plays in this league. And teams that win Super Bowls and have success don't necessarily always do it. We talked about Trent Delfer yesterday. Yeah. Trent Delfer is a classic example of that. The Ravens won because they had a historically phenomenal defense, a really good running game, and Trent Dilfer didn't screw things up. You don't even have to get out of the state to see that. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. You had... At the end of his career, Peyton Manning was mm -hmm. that. An elite defense 
can carry an average quarterback farther than an elite quarterback can carry an average team. Yeah, John Elway got to three Super Bowls in four years. But he really had very little help. There was some guys on that team, but very little help in the grand scheme of things. And then when he got a team around him, very good defense. Great offensive game, line. Great offensive line. Great he running back. back Super Bowls. And then it was a phenomenally offensive performance by Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl 48 season, setting records. But the surrounding cast on the other side of the ball was average at best. And that's when Elway made a decision. We've, we've got to focus mm-hmm. on the defense, or we've got to make the defense better. And then an elite defense carried an aging quarterback to a Super Bowl. So you can have an elite co- Look at the Chiefs this year. They have an elite quarterback. The surrounding cast around him has been average or worse. Or they've got a, a year, a phenomenal year from their defense. Yeah. You know, so you take, like, Russ could have been twice as good. And with the surrounding cast around him offensively and some of the defensive failures this year, early, not so much the last two months, there's not a very good chance they go super deep into the playoffs anyway. Because what have we heard, Buckeye, about Russell Wilson? Not good enough to win a Super not Bowl. Not good enough well, to he, win a Super Bowl. Well, he has, though. He's been to two. Mm-hmm. He's won a Super Bowl and came very close to winning a second one. Yeah. And I get that was a younger Russell Wilson. He was outcoached by his own coach exactly. to lose that second Super Bowl. You can't tell me that this team doesn't have a, a better defense and a better running game. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is more than capable of winning a Super Bowl. I will fight you tooth and nail on that one. Russell Wilson is not even in the bottom 15 of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. I think when it comes to just skill. Totally agree. So it's hard to say he can't win you when he already has. Already has. (laughs) He's he's already done that. And over who? Right? Like Jared Stidham. Drew Locke, guys that have never been to the playoffs, let alone won playoff games? Or won a starting job and kept a starting job. Yeah. I mean, remember one time with Stidham when Garoppolo left, Stidham was going to be the heir apparent mm-hmm. to Brady, and that, that didn't work out. Ended up, he goes to Vegas. Didn't D- work there either. Didn't work there either because there was opportunity there when Derek Carr mm-hmm. left, and then they brought in Garoppolo. And, and so you just... I, I get I get tired of this. Uh, people say this. Russ isn't good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yes, he is because he has. It's got to be the other pieces around him that have to be better than what mm. they've been. And it's not going to matter now because he's not going to be there for this team to try to see what they can do in 2024. I, I just they put themselves in a bad position with the contract. I, I understand that, but. The trading for him, once again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die on that hill. I still believe that was the right move. It's a move they had to make. And I, and I don't believe this is the right move to make with what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. And, and people react to that trade in a vacuum. They also need to take into account what could have happened that same day if Aaron Rodgers doesn't say he's going back to the Packers. Because you hired Nathaniel Hackett on the expectation that Aaron Rodgers was coming to town like Santa Claus, a worse, very lunatic Santa Claus that didn't happen and they pivoted to Russell Wilson like I think people forget he was the backup choice that day and then he was brought into a team that wasn't built for him 
a team that wasn't assembled, a coaching staff that wasn't created. Like, Matt LaFleur calls the plays in Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers, and Nathaniel Hackett just happened to hold a job. They give him the head coaching job, and look how he's flamed out without Matt LaFleur calling plays. You know, that was not set up for Russell Wilson to succeed and then come into town with a quarterback or the coach that is going to go out of his way to, you know, make his life miserable. And they don't improve the offense with the exception of McGlinchey and Powers. That doesn't necessarily get yeah. that much better. Well, and I get a text from from guy that's been on our show, Joe White, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that pitched to me. So Joe's a great guy, super good dude. And he sent me a text about basically criticizing the Broncos trading for Wilson. Mm-hmm. About you know, Locke going there in Fant and Shelby Harris. And then they drafted Mississippi State tackle Charles Cross with the ninth pick. And Minnesota defensive end Boye Mafi, you know, And then Ohio State defensive end uh, Tyreek Smith and, and the guys. And then the picks that they had to give up to get Sean Payton. Denver was, quote, a quarterback away. They went and got their quarterback. Then it was, well, Denver's a really good head coach away. Got to fix Russ. Got the quarterback. Got the potential mm-hmm. there. But that's what they did. They went and got Sean Payton. So what if they didn't do either of those things? Where would this team be right now? With Drew Locke and Vic Fangio? Yeah. I, I, I asked that question because that's that's what, what it would have been. You, you run Vic back. You keep Drew. Does this team get good enough defensively? Because they were they were pretty good under Vic. Can you make Locke a a good enough, consistent game manager quarterback to complement what you would have hopefully would have had a phenomenal defense? We don't know that. That's the thing. We don't know. You can play that what if mm-hmm. play that what if game forever. But the, the the feeling was Denver had to find their quarterback, and they had to go out and pay a heavy price to do that. Last four years. Scoring defense, 25th, 3rd, 14th, 26th. So they weren't trending in the right direction at all. Not last year. Fangio's final season, 2021, they were the third best scoring offense, 8th in yards. Defense. Sorry, defense. Yeah, it's okay. I was like, they were not that good offensively. Offensively, they were not that good. They got worse last year because... They got the guy who didn't call plays for Aaron Rodgers and didn't get Aaron Rodgers. And they got Russell Wilson, and it was very much square peg round hole. Defense, though, last year was still the seventh best in terms of yards. Right. Just if you need a guy to figure out the offense. and There you go. And voila. Mm-hmm. So you bring in Sean Payton to fix everything. Yardage has gotten worse year over year the last three offensively. Scoring offense dramatically increased this year. But the defense, even though they had a nice bounce back here Mm -hmm. after the Dolphins game, the defense has taken huge, gigantic steps backwards. I mean, at one point, they were the worst defense in the league. Yeah. DFL. They're still 30th in yards allowed. Yeah, so they're still in the bottom half of the league. And you're three months away from giving up 700 yards. You can't really count that too much anymore. And this is all to say that, like, this is not just a blanket defense of Russ. Russ was an issue this year. But the problem on this team is a list of however many people get paid by the organization. Peyton, 
Peyton, Wilson, Sutton, Sertan, whoever, everybody. They've all been at fault this year. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, 916. So I've got some reaction to what we're talking about today. Once again, we're not saying that Russ is totally blameless here. He's a problem, not the problem. But you're now creating a situation where, well, we got, we're, we got to get better. Well, who's that going to be? Who's going to be better in 2024? Who's that going to be? Realistically, who? Yeah, tell me who that's going to be. That you can afford to bring in with this cap being what it is and the dead money when you, when you walk from Russ in March. Mm-hmm. Who's that going to be? To me, if you draft, if somehow you're able to get a quarterback, are you really going to be able to sit there? Like if, you, if somehow they end up getting a Michael Penix or somebody like that, are you really going to be? Are you really going to have be able to sit there and go, nah? He's going to have to sit and watch for a year. Really? In this day and age, where rookie quarterbacks start and they play now, they don't. They don't wait. Mm-hmm. It's not Aaron Rodgers backing up Brett Favre. He's not going to sit on the bench for three years behind Jared Stidham or somebody. Right. And are you going to be better off that? I like Michael Penix Jr. I'd love to see them take him. Is he going to be better than Russ next year? Don't know. Can't say that. You would like to think he would be. Going to be be a lot cheaper. But you still have to pay Russ. That's the thing. thing. He may be cheaper, but you're not taking that money off the books. I don't know why I was so far away there. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) It's all right. I, I just, it, so many things don't make sense here. The extension didn't make sense at the time they did it. Didn't make any sense. The more you look at it now, it's like, why'd you do that? If mm-hmm. you didn't think that he was the guy, then why did you do that? Well, it's the time they thought he was the guy because he hadn't even taken one snap of the Broncos at that point in time. And I, it just, and on top of that, part of it tangentially related, how do you hire a coach that has the ability to bench that guy? Like, not even give him a whole season. Injury guarantee, whatever. But that's right. part of it. If it if they thought that Russ was going to be the answer next season or if Sean Payton wanted him next year, they wouldn't worry about the injury guarantee because he'd be on the team. Are you comfortable giving your head coach that kind of control over your football team? Because I throw the BS flag on. Sean Payton going, well, I didn't know what was going on with the conversations with the front office and Russ's agent. I'm, oh, mm-hmm. bull crap. Bull yes, crap. Yes, you did. I'm not involved in those conversations. You, can't, you, can't, you just can't say that, Sean. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing like, well, you didn't pick this quarterback. Yeah, he did. Because that guy was there. not taken the job. And you knew what his contract was. Right. And you knew that you're, hey, we're kind of in a position here where it's going to be really tough to walk away from him. You're eight or ten games away from Brandon Staley being fired and taking over Justin Herbert. And you still chose Russ. You chose Russ over everybody else that could have openings over the next few You years. had a gig. You yeah. could have just stayed at Fox and said, you know, I'm going to sit another year out. You know, I'm going to wait. See what, how things look. You chose Russ. You chose Russ. No. Oh. Until he stopped choosing you, Russ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, 920. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Abs Dallas Stars tonight. We'll uh, bring in a little, uh, bit of the conversation we had with Connor McGahee yesterday. Also have four down territory. That's coming up. Still time to text or call in today 
on the team line, 970-242-1340. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahee on the team. With us right now, the call in the Avalanches overtime. One of the Islanders last night, Connor McGahee, joins us. Happy holidays, Connor. Hope you had a wonderful New Year's weekend. Sure did. Um, about eight hours off, but I'll take it. Better than nothing. Better than nothing. Valari Nachushkin, described last night by his teammates as a beast, and he's been yeah. a beast. Great win for the Avalanche last night. Three deficits. They they get the game winner from uh, McKinnon in overtime, 32 seconds in. But Nachushkin, the two goals, the, the penalty kind of helped set things up uh, as well, uh, you know, at the end of the game uh, for the Avalanche to get that victory. Just um, Valerie Nachushkin, uh, we, we've talked about it before. It's been quite a quite a return to form for Nachushkin, the way he's been playing. In the John Wick films, you know how they, they, they brought forth the, the phrase of the Russian boogeyman, the Baba Yaga? That's exactly what Valery Nachushkin has reminded me of the past couple of days. Because, I mean, he almost single-handedly, that last play with 20 seconds left, um, when, he, when he goes through four Islanders and almost scores his hat-trick goal to get the game winner, um, Brock was in, in the net. A little bit of a strange explanation at the end as, as to why. It would didn't say that the, 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 the puck was covered or, or there was an intent to blow the whistle. But anyhow, Valery Nichushkin is just, now he's tied for the league lead in power play goals with, with 10. Um, he has more goals this year already than he did in 53 games last year. Uh, well on to his uh, career high of, of 25. I mean, that's obviously well within reach, but um, that, but. If you go back to that game versus St. Louis, even it's his work off the faceoff that gets that puck towards the net, so that Devontae can can, sh- can shoot and score. And basically, I, and I've been saying this for almost two years now. There's no reason why Valerian Nachushkin should not be a Selkie finalist all the time, and he does not get enough love in that regard. And he should and. It's, uh, I mean, if, if you just look at that, the work that started that last scoring chance, I mean, it's just, it's a back check clinic. And that is the type of hockey that sends you to the next level. And that's exactly where the Larry Nutrition is right now. And I'm just, I, I love where he was and where he's come to. And, and that's why he's just, it's great that he's, on our team, and that I will always defend Valery Nachushkin because of his comeback story, and and to get from you know the springtime to now, I think is a huge accomplishment for him. And um, his teammates are right in calling him a beast. I mean that that is uh, one of the most accurate descriptors that you could find. Yeah, there's no doubt that the choo-choo train is definitely back on the tracks. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> the, way, the, the way he's been playing, another guy that's been really good is Jonathan Druin. Ten points in his mm-hmm. past ten games where he's been playing on that, that, that top line a little bit, but he's just been... Um, he's just... he's Apparently started to figure some things out, Connor, and he started to fit in very nicely with this team, and, and when they get Arturi Lekkonen back, it'll be great if Druin continues to, to, to perform the way he has, and then Lekkonen comes back. That just adds to the depth of this team. Without a doubt, and Jared Bednar said post-game last night that 
Duran is playing hockey the right way. And that's the same type of things that we're talking about with Larry Dechushkin is he's checking back. He's doing the work in the corners. Um, stuff that maybe he was not credited with in the past in either Montreal or Tampa Bay. Um, but he's playing the right way now. And I think that uh, that's led to a lot of his success. And again, another guy who I'm very happy for to, um, to come from a spot where, you know, he was going through some, some anxieties, some mental issues and to recover and find some joy in the game that you love so much to me is a fantastic thing. And what a shot by him. That snapshot that goes over the stick side of Sorokin last night is just perfect. And Jonathan Druin at the moment is the perfect example of how hard work pays off. And, uh, and he's a guy that, like you said, you could place on any line and he could, he could help contribute. And there were times last night where Nachushkin went up on the top line with McKinnon and Rantanen. Uh, which meant that Drouin was playing with Ross Colton, Miles Wood, uh, Logan O'Connor, but it doesn't matter. Um, he, he's not one of those players that when the puck is around him or on his stick, you get nervous, like there's going to be a mistake. Again, he's doing all the little things right, which is basically building up equity to, to get him points on the other end, as you said, 10 and 10. Avalanche Radio play-by-play voice Connor McGahey with us on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Avs coming off the 5-4 to four overtime win over the Islanders last night at Ball Arena. It's Dallas tomorrow, and for the Avalanche right now, they, they have the lead in the Central Division by a point over Winnipeg. Connor, they're, they're a point behind Boston for the most points in the NHL right now, and even with the, with the, with the slip-ups, with the blowing the four-goal lead at Arizona, the, the loss at Chicago here a while back, that you look at it and you go, okay, you're not happy with those things, but this is also a team that's gone through so much transition with new faces like Druin, with with Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton, and others coming in, a lot of injuries, Sammy Girard being gone from the team for a while to deal with some of his personal uh, issues, that here they sit among the best in the league, and we've talked about this before. Once again, you have to pr- provide perspective on this, that here they are, and they, they just feel like all of a sudden now they're starting some things are starting to come together for this team. Yeah, and you want to play your, you know, you want to get those things ironed out in November and December and before that. Um, you don't want to put yourself in a hole like Minnesota or Edmonton did. However, both of those teams uh, are vastly improved since the coaching changes. Um, Ottawa, not so much. <laughs> but um, for the Avalanche, again, when you're looking at little segments, and that's how the coaching staff use things in five-game segments, in ten-game segments, the Avalanche are still playing winning hockey. Even in a month uh, where they didn't play great, they still finished December 8, 5-1. And And, um, I think that's now 33 straight months uh, where they have had a winning record. Uh, If you go all the way back, which is um, among the best uh, that we've seen in a long, long time in the National Hockey League. So um, it is a culture of winning and I know there are little bumps here and there, but overall big picture, as you mentioned, the avalanche are among the best in the national hockey league, which is why it's important to remind people of perspective when we nitpick at little things. And obviously we do that, but the players and the coaching staff nitpick at them more because those little things will be fixed by the time that it matters. 
coming up in April and May and hopefully June. So um, overall, in the scope of things, the Avs are in a good place right now. And uh, they're off to a good start in, in 2024, and they have to be because the schedule coming up is very difficult. You have Dallas tomorrow um, in Dallas. They lose in regulation somehow to the Montreal Canadiens last night. Uh, and then you have uh, a couple of Eastern juggernauts, Florida and Boston at home as part of a homestand. And then it finishes up with the Vegas Golden Knights before they go uh, on a five-game road trip, which uh, has a lot of tough teams as well, including Toronto, Boston again, Philadelphia, which isn't easy. Um, so the schedule ahead is, is, is tough, which is why the Avalanche needed to iron out what they needed to because they're going to need those details coming up. All right, that's Connor McGahee, voice of the Avalanche. You'll hear his call tonight from Dallas. The Avs and the Stars on the team. Sports Network pregame at 5.30 faceoff after 6 o'clock in that one. So uh, the Avalanche uh, where uh, Valerie Nichushkin once upon a time played for the Dallas Stars mm-hmm. and uh, certainly is uh, right now one of the, the, the hottest goal scorers in the league, playing outstanding hockey along with McKinnon and, and McCarr and, and Miko Rantanen. So for Colorado, heading into tonight, by the way, just looking at the overall Western Conference standings, they're tied with Vancouver with 51 points right now. And as we referenced in that conversation with, with Connor yesterday, that um, they're just a point behind the Boston Bruins for the, the most points in the NHL right now. So even though there's there's been some ugly losses, some, some, some thrill stinkers out there the Avalanche have thrown out, here they are despite all these things, right now among the very best teams in the NHL. So we'll have it tonight, Avs, Stars, with pregame at 5.30. All right, time to jump into some four-down territory this morning. We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, start things out with first down. We talked about Pat McAfee and the uh, comments made by Aaron Rodgers which Big Rob sent a text yesterday. We didn't get to it. Um, he's not a Kimmel fan. That's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to like Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. But to but to make the allegation against anybody that they were involved in sex trafficking, and, and I know awful announcing level it is. He jokingly referred yeah. to Kimmel being on. Yeah, Jimmy doesn't Kimmel, feel like that. Jimmy Kimmel didn't take it as a joke. He didn't take it as a joke at all. He threatened to sue him. But Pat McAfee kind of, sort of made an apology, I guess. If you want to call it that. Mm, Kind of. In regard to what was said. And he said he doesn't like to be associated with McAfee with anything negative and apologize. We like our show to be an uplifting one, a happy one, a fun one. But because we try to make light of everything, some things get get very some people get very pissed off about things especially when they're that serious of allegations we apologize for being part of it because you can tell mac didn't know what to say when mm-hmm. roger said it he's like yeah try to like, like oh, whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's the one time where the gimmick was dropped and the person was like Meh, not sure if i not sure if i want this on my show right this second but one other thing Involving Pat McAfee, since it seems like we're talking about him a lot today. It'll be a McAfee free Friday, by the way. We'll not refer to Pat McAfee one time tomorrow. Unless 
I just called that up pretty early. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just saying unless unless something really gigantic happens, mm-hmm. like Pat Mac Pat McAfee announces he's an alien or something, we're probably not going to talk about Pat McAfee tomorrow. Yeah. But this gets back to the the payment of Rogers, according to reports. He's also paid Nick Saban to come on his program as well. And there's there's concern now around ESPN that he's getting way too much control. And that while they're they're thrilled with the ratings, with the advertising that, that's coming in because of McAfee, there's also, according to Awful Announcing, there's some concern that that he might they might be creating a monster here. And also that they're he's gonna be untouchable in terms of things like the, the Kimmel comments from Rogers that they're going to be able to he's going to be able to say whatever he wants and do whatever he wants and there mm-hmm. will not be repercussions that they're they're going to view themselves right on that show as untouchable and then if there are repercussions like them telling the show you can't have Aaron well Aaron's going to be too hot for TV you know and then the powers that be are canceling me type stuff which is exactly what Aaron Rodgers would want to have happen all right second down Roy McElroy recently talked oh, about, yeah. about beep, 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 beep. discuss his reaction to golfers. He was on the stick to football show. <laughs> it's a great name. Uh, discussing his reaction to golfers who joined the PGA tour rival live golf. And for the first time, McElroy admitted he probably was a little too harsh on some of the golfers who went to go play in on the live tour. I think at this point, I was maybe a little judgmental of the guys who went to live golf at the start, and I think it was a bit of a mistake on my part because now I realize that not everyone is in my position or in Tiger Woods' position. We all turn professional, make a living playing the sports that we do, and I think that that's what I've realized over the last two years. I can't judge people for making that decision. Oh, also the PGA and live merger probably had a little something to do with him changing his stance as well. Well, Brooks Kepka posted a gif on x of kermit the frog the kermit the frog drinking tea meme mm-hmm. which is supposed to tell signal to people that they're just minding their business as interesting developments occur yeah the it'll maybe, be interesting maybe. for sure yeah so anyway that's second down third and fourth down of yours third down we move back to the espn mcafee thing and this is not necessarily pat mcafee centric but jamel hill was on the dan levitard show yesterday and said we know there's nothing more offensive in the universe of espn or disney than host on host or talent on talent crime which is a very interesting take because we just talked about how wading into untouchable territory is the pat mcafee show right because pat mcafee has full control over the show like they can't fire someone without running it past McAfee they can't dictate without McAfee they can't do anything to it so it was very interesting there and fourth down pro football talk and Sunday night football on NBC put out power rankings in the AFC 1 through 10 very interesting list let's go through them okay Baltimore at number 1 okay Buffalo at number 2 Mm, okay. Cleveland. And I'd probably have Cleveland ahead of Buffalo, but okay. Uh, yeah. And then Miami and Kansas City, four and five. The bottom five of the top ten get interesting. Texans at six, Jaguars at seven, Colts at eight, 
Steelers at nine, and the Chicago Bears at number ten. Huh? Slight, yeah, slight problem. They are not, have not ever been an AFC huh? team. How did that happen? I'm not sure. Not entirely certain. So. Do you, yeah. do you, okay, do you have, you have that up at the moment? I have the graphic. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're usually more spot on than that. It's either supposed to be the other CB with orange, the Bengals. Right. Or the other orange and blue adjacent team, the Broncos, at number 10. But it's neither. But it's the Bears. It's, it's a bear. the Bears. It's clearly the Bears logo. Somebody, it's, the, it's the bear face. Yeah, somebody fluffed up. Yes, they did. Because in pro Was that Colin Cowherd? Yeah. Pro football talks power rankings 1 through 32. The Bears are 21st. <laughs> and they, so. have the, they have the Chiefs, Ted. Yeah. Overall, the rankings. Overall, right? the rankings. Yeah, not because this was AFC mm-hmm. specific. But they have them, um, you know, AFC teams they don't have ranked that are above the Bears or the Broncos and the Bengals. Orange and blue and CB. Because like all three of those are right yeah. there, 21, 20, and, and 19. 19. So, so apparently, I'm guessing somebody got their signals crossed, but yeah, that might have must might have well have been a Colin Cowherd list. <laughs> I didn't realize the NFL had decided to move the Bears over to the AFC. Right here at the end of the season and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's four down territory. It's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. And we were joking around earlier about not acknowledging the Browns NFL championships and things like that. Just, just kidding. Just joking mm, around yeah. from the past. Well, did you realize that the Minnesota Vikings won an, an, an NFL championship? People forget that. I about knew that. The, yeah. yeah. The Vikings won an NFL title. They beat your Browns mm-hmm. 27 to 7 in eight degree temperatures in Bloomington, Minnesota. But they become the first expansion team to win an NFL championship. Of course, that year they would go on to play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and lose. But they still. That's when they're still. That was the final year before the the, the merger. They were still. They were still the NFL AFL, mm-hmm. and so they won the NFL championship. Nineteen seventy <laughs> to dovetail on it. Chiefs defense highlighted by four interceptions, three in the final quarter, carried the Chiefs to a seventeen to seven win over the Raiders in the last AFL title game. Nineteen seventy six, the Cowboys become the first wild card team to make it to the Super Bowl with a thirty seven to seven route of the Rams in the NFC title game. 1986, Eric Dickerson shatters the NFL playoff record of the 248 rushing yards and two touchdowns lead the Rams to a 20 to nothing win over the Dallas Cowboys. 1997, the Jacksonville Jaguars in their second year beat the Broncos in Denver to advance the AFC championship game. Ooh, team that was primed to go win a Super Bowl but got upset at, at home by Jacksonville. Also, 2000 top-ranked Florida State, the preseason number one, holds off Virginia Tech 46-29 to in the Sugar Bowl to finish 12-0 and win the national championship. Florida State's the first team to go wire-to-wire in the Associated Press poll since the preseason ranking started in 1950.
50. Also, 2003, Bodie Miller wins the second straight World Cup giant slalom. And Slovenia had to move into first place in the World Cup overall standings. Also, 2005, Matt Leiner throws five touchdown passes. And Southern Cal overwhelms Oklahoma 55-19 to in the Orange Bowl. USC is the first team to repeat as AP national champion since Nebraska in 94-95 and joins Florida State in, 19, in 1999 as the only teams to go wire-to-wire from preseason to post-bowls as number one in the country. And there you go. That's this day in sports history, 943. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com. First of all, it's hilarious. Warp twisted individuals. Yes. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 946. Jim along with the Buckeye boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Some more text coming in from uh, the guru this morning. Five Broncos wins were direct results of mega turnovers by opponents. Barring multiple turnovers by Aiden O'Connell, Raiders should win at home by by four plus. I view this year as the same as last year. Failure from top down. I'm guessing the Peyton will target Bo Nix in the draft. I feel sorry for any quarterback that ends up in Denver. Hey, that the guru does make it sound like those were all defensive scores, which I don't think was the case. There was, what, 16 turnovers forced by the defense yeah. in the five-game winning streak, and, yeah, did it set up some really good field position Prime for the offense? Yes. Yeah, sure, absolutely Even Jared Stidham could score on a lot of those. I will agree with that. See, we got one from, it's been a while, Middle School Mike. Welcome back, Middle School Mike. Uh, to almost two years. Yeah, going back to June, June 30th of 2022. Yeah. Where you been, Mike? Welcome back. 90% of Broncos country will tell you they like Russ as a person, but how many times do you have to watch him scramble from a clean pocket only to see a six-yard loss or a fumble or his inability to throw a simple slant route because he's 5'11", not 6'4", and those passing lanes are not open to him. Nobody cares what his stats are. If you watch the game, it just doesn't pass the eye test. Mike, number still, stats do matter, though. Touchdown-interception ratio is an important stat. Would you not agree, Buckeye? Yeah, I think the Broncos, without 26 passing touchdowns, would be winless. Who made that happen? Who Russ- asked for those touchdowns? Russell Wilson made that happen. How dare he? Are there things that Russ is not great at, like throwing the ball across the middle? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Are there things that could be better about his game in a second year in a Sean Payton offense if we we're going to get to see that? Yeah, I, I think you would see some things differently from Russell Wilson. But we're not going to get a chance to see that now because he's going to be gone. And I just I want to caution people, and I know people are not, they don't like this very much. When you start talking about, well, Russ is not good because he's only 5'11". Remember, Paxton Lynch was 6'7". And how good was he? So I'm just... I'm, Brock Osweiler yeah. was, what, 6'8", 6'7", 6'8", in that neighborhood. Yeah. Osweiler better than Paxton Lynch, but still... But only slightly. But, but either one of these guys in the league now? No, they're not. No. So, like, I don't know why that's still a thing. That, to me, is very much along the lines of... <sighs> He can't throw the ball 70 yards down the field. 
So? So what? Can he throw Brady the ball? couldn't throw the ball 70 yards down the field Can either. Can he throw the ball to the guy that is the most open? If he's swinging out of the backfield and he gains five yards, I don't care that the ball traveled nine inches because it's second and five. It's like those are kind of in the same line for me. Are there times that I agree with you, Mike, that Russ looks like got a clean pocket mm-hmm. and he takes off and loses yardage? Okay, there's that happens. There have been those cases. Yeah, Russ doesn't make great decisions all the time, but also... Like well, like we said, he's not the problem. He's also been sacked almost fifty times this year, and he didn't play last week. And they so. and they spent a ton of money on improving the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, a ton of money on Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers. It's fine. We it's fine to disagree. It's I like right. it. And, it's good. And it makes the show more fun. And Mike, we're 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 glad we're, we're glad to hear from you. We will hear from you again July of 2025. <laughs> Hopefully it's not that long. But that's why we, we disagree sometimes, mm-hmm. and that's what it doesn't mean. We want you to have input. We're just not always going to agree. We love the battle. But you don't, have to agree, do. you don't have to agree with us. That's mm-hmm. okay. That's what we love about this show. And we're, we're all friends, and we're all, yeah. we're, all part of this, well, we're all part of humanity together. There we go. And if they draft Michael Penix Jr., we'll hear from middle school Mike next year. Like, can't make that throw because he's left-handed. <laughs> There's still that little bit of prejudice. Kidding, Mike. There is still that prejudice. I will that say, quarterbacks. I watched two of throw. And I'm like, that motion is so long. Like, there's a lot of guys quick release, right? It's like yeah. zing. Tua feels like he is unfolding himself to throw that ball. It's and not I don't know why. quite Timmy Tebow, it, but it but feels it, like it takes forever yeah. for that ball to get out. And I I can't understand whether it's yeah. solely because and, he's left-handed or because he has Penix a slow motion. Feel there's a little bit of that with Penix, a little yeah. bit. I think it's just it just looks funny. It looks the ball is a different wonky. spin. Yeah, it looks wonky. I mean, it's still a spiral. It just spins the other direction. Yeah. But yeah, as a receiver, you got to get used to that because you played mostly with right-handed quarterbacks, a lot of guys, most of their career. Ball does have a different spin on it. And that's from catching passes out playing catch with my son who's left-handed it does have a different it's i mean you adjust to it's it. a spiral still though right he's it's, not like throwing it end over end no but it just okay. spins differently Tebow was it just well, it was end over end. it was a knuckleball it just it just spins differently and you just you get used to it it's not it's not like you can't adjust mm-hmm. to it it's that is pure naivety on my part because i've never caught a pass thrown from a left-hander yeah. significant enough caught Coddle Nick pitching a lot, you know, just out. that I get because there's tail. that was terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> like he, I understand that because my my boy could bring it like in the upper eighties, low nineties mm-hmm. with lots and lots of natural movement. Yeah, and it was scary. And you don't have any gear, and I don't have any gear on. Throw <laughs> out, it's like you just need to. Nah, right. I'm, I'm done. Throw it this net, son. I think like my sophomore, junior. I'm like, I'm just think you just need to go. Yeah. Don't you have teammates? Go 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 throw with your teammates. Uh, going for Bry guy. Broncos season was still a success with eight to nine wins. I'm pulling for a Lions Browns Super Bowl since both have never been to one. You know what? I am as well. That wouldn't that, what a sweetheart. I mean, I would love that. You and Jim Landis going at it. You know, Super Bowl. If I lose to a team from Michigan in the Super Bowl, I just may quit watching football. <laughs> Rhonda. Let's see. Uh, for any true Broncos fan, you always want to beat the Raiders. Is this really a question? Yes, it is, Rhonda. Sadly, it has to be a question. 
Kyle Shanahan McCaffrey on the 49ers. They're practically Denver West, LOL. Of course, we have to root for them. That makes perfect sense. We'll also cheer for Buffalo, Von Miller, and Cleveland and Joe Flacco. Eh, you sure you want to? Eh, I'm going to pause a little bit At on Vaughn until things get sorted out there, which <laughs> it's starting to look a little better for Vaughn, but not, eh. not great. It's not great, though. Uh, also, Rhonda P.S., I'm sick about the treatment of Russell, and I definitely wish he would, could stay. He has improved from last year to this year, and there's no reason to think he wouldn't be even better next year. Pat Bowen would never treat a player in this disrespectful manner. She also is going to cheer for the Browns because of Joe Flacco. The Denver sorry, Broncos I'm, great. I'm sorry I didn't, uh, I left, That's sorry okay. I didn't mean to leave Joe out yeah. of the mix. Denver Broncos great, Joe Flacco. Ephraim, let's go Raiders. Sorry, Ephraim. I do remember Joe can't, can't signing, that. and I had high hopes that he was going to actually be significant and be, be good for the Browns. He wasn't. He was not at all. He's won more games for the Browns than he did for the Browns. Yes, he did. And he could be your starting quarterback next year. I or next season, I, I should hope. say. I really. That'd hope. be kind of cool. I I I would I would hope that for you. Yeah. With the Deshaun Watson thing, I would hope that. For I you. would lobby the government to let the Haslam's get away with two hundred and fifty <laughs> million dollars worth of embezzlement and overcharging just to pay Deshaun Watson to go away. Talk I'll about take a, cap hell for five talk, years. Talk about a guy that's how the, the the once mighty have fallen in a huge way. Yeah. With all the allegations, the less than stellar play in Cleveland, and then the season-ending injury. What a just turd yeah. on top of it. And, yes, well, <laughs> and there's that part of it as well. And that's our show for today. Don't forget abs. Dallas Stars tonight on the team with Connor McGahee. Pre-game at 5.30. Jim Romans next.